Amen. God bless everybody this morning. Amen. It's good to look around and see the family of faith. What an awesome day it is in the Lord. Aren't you glad to be in the house of God? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad when somebody say, let's get up, let's go to church? Amen. Aren't you glad you're here? Amen. You could be a lot of other places, but there's no better place than to be when you're hearing the voice of God. Amen. Do you know a long time ago, I'm going to say a long time ago when I was coming up, we used to actually call church service, catch this, you're not going to believe this. We actually used to say that it was a worship service. Can you imagine? That we used to think in our own minds that we're going to go worship God. Amen. Do you know today we're here to worship Him, right? I, I would say, I would say in our morning huddle today, and it just my heart is so impressed today to tell you this. Could I suggest today if you're here and you say, Pastor, how do I worship God? How, how do I, what is, what is the grounding of worship? And you know, I would say this to a lot of people today. I was talking with Hula a little earlier, and we were talking about principles of faith. How many know there are principles in our faith, right? Could I suggest to you the greatest principle of worship is humility? Right? You say, well, well preacher, what, what is humility? Humility is complete dependence upon God. Uh, you're here because you know you need help. Will you look at your neighbor and say, you need a lot of help. If nobody told you that, I'll tell you that you need help. How many know that God said, I'm going to help you? Right? In fact, could I quote the scripture? He said, he'll never leave you nor forsake you so that you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Right? And I know you need help. Every last one of us. I need help. You need help. And if you live in the world and if you want to be a success for God, you're going to need a lot of help. Amen. And that's what we're here to do. You're here to be helped. Can somebody say amen to that? So, so we're going to, I'm going to ask you to stand and open your Bibles to John 3. But as we go, can you, can you be in this definition? I want you to think of this message as your help, right? I'm going to, I'm going to preach a message and this message is going to help you because you need help. <laughs> I need a lot of help, and, I, uh, I, and I'm not a, afraid to admit it. How many know the principle of, of, of I'm going to, how many, how many here today say, can confess, you need a lot of help? I'm going to put my hand, I need a lot of help, man, I need a lot of help. Uh, I, I'm going to teach you a principle on how to get the most help from God you'll ever get in all your life. There's a, there's a condition that you can produce of yourself that literally pours out God's favor. Anybody want to hear it? it? It's a little trick I use to keep it up my sleeve. You know, this is a little a preacher's secret, right? Be weak. Oh, y'all didn't hear that. Just be weak. Do you know that in your weakness, he becomes strong? And the greater your weakness means the greater the strength of God reveals in your life. Isn't that awesome that you don't have to come in here pretending you could just... Just be weak. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you now. People go to church and say, I went to church and I didn't hear anything. You're just not listening. Amen. So look, I, I, I want to, we're, we're still in the series. There's maybe one or two more I'm going to see in this series called The Names of Jesus. Let me give some preface. I'm hoping that in this series you're seeing just how thorough the name of Jesus is. And that when you call upon the name, you're calling upon a name that is given to him that is higher than every name in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Jesus' name is sufficient, more than enough for anything you're going through. And the idea of our series is to teach you the names of Jesus. Today I want to teach you the name, catch this, the Son of Man. The Son of Man. I want to teach it to you. And once you lay hold of this, uh, you're going to be a super Christian. Could, could I suggest you're going to be more than a conqueror? I'm going to show you how to put the jelly to the peanut butter. How, how, how many? Anybody here still eat peanut butter? Raise your hand if you still eat peanut butter. You know, I noticed a lot of kids can't eat peanut butter anymore. They get sick and break out. And, Not me. But when I have peanut butter, I like jelly with it. So I'm going to teach you how to, I'm going to teach you how to marry the Son of God with the Son of Man. Because they need to be married together. This is peanut butter and jelly, right? Son of God and Son of Man. I'm going to teach you how these two go together 
And it's going to make a profound difference in your prayer life and in your life towards God. I want to teach it to you through a guy by the name of Nicodemus. So I want you to go, John chapter 3. I'm going to begin here at verse 1. And I'm going to read it through, oh, quite a few passages. I'll probably take it all the way through. I'll take it through John 3.16 because everybody knows John 3.16, right? So we'll start here. This is St. John chapter 3, verse 1. It says this. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit, well, is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Jesus says this, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. So I want you to see the being born again is in the seeing, right? Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Because if I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Now, Jesus could have gave up on Nicodemus, but he doesn't. He tells him this. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, watch this, even who? The Son of Man. Even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So see that? So he's teaching you what it is to understand him as the Son of Man. And he says that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is the Son of Man being lifted up. And then Jesus ends, I'll end this portion of our scripture reading with this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Right? Remember, we're talking about seeing. Are you ready? Are you ready to get down? We're going to get down this morning. We're going to have a good time. Let's, let, let's pray with each other. Let's just lay aside all the stuff. Father, we thank you for the opportunity. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the opportunity to be here, uh, to be in the house of the Lord, to be graced uh, with the hearing of the Word of God, to be graced with the message from God, to be graced with the Spirit of God who takes these words and presses them into the recesses of our heart, that in that time, in that season, in that moment, in that hour, this is going to come into fruition. There'll be fruit born of this message. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing. And I know today... As the people of God has, have come, that we're coming, that we might gain knowledge, that we, might, that we might walk in eternal life, that we might walk on earth as we walk in heaven. Oh, God, help us. How beautiful. Uh, that today the people of God will take this word and move it into every part of their lives, every, every relationship, every, every thought, I into prayer life, into, into work life, into family life. We pray that this message just be moved, be, be ushered into those places. Uh, we pray your help and strength as we move forward today. As Holy Spirit, as you've heard us say, we need a lot of help. And so we, we, we are weak for a purpose that your strength might be manifested in its greatness. And so we, we are here, hearing, learning, people of, of not just hearing but doing as well. We pray that there be manifold blessing, 
not 30, 60, but 100 times that which was sown right here in this place, back out in the world. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. And amen and amen. Listen, I want you to go find some, I want you to go find somebody. And I just want you to tell them, look and see. Just go find somebody and say, look and see. Look and see. If, if you happen to go see Brother Sean, uh, 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 Sean, happy birthday to you, my man. Happy birthday to you. Just look and see. Find somebody and tell them, look and see. The son of man. Just look and see. Look and see, look and see, look and see. Look and see. Look and see. Just look and see. It's so good to see the family of faith getting back together. We've had the holidays and time uh, with family. And if you were fortunate enough to get out of town and get a little vacation, I thank God for that. But it's good to be back in the family of faith, back with the family of faith, back in the house of God. Amen. Just look and see. Just look and see. Just look and see. God is awesome. God is awesome. God is good. God is good. Hey, so let me do this real quick. Before, before we get into the message, let me encourage you to get your Bible ribbon. And if you have your Bible, go to Romans chapter 5 and just put your Bible ribbon there. I want to read some verses at the conclusion of today's message from there. And then if you would, uh, if you put your Bible ribbon there, Romans chapter 5, then if you would, uh, keep your Bible prepared. I want to I wanna read to you today the temptation of Jesus out of Matthew chapter 4. I just want to go through a little bit there. I want you to see it. I want you to put your eyes on it. This is St. Matthew chapter 4. So if you have your Bible ribbon again, Romans chapter 5, and then keep your Bible ready. I'm going to I'm going to read through the temptation of Jesus today. I think there's, there's really some conversations there that are helpful as we are talking about the Son of Man. Let, let me give to the church today a, a, a word from the beloved, from, from, from the revelator. In the fourth chapter of, of 1 John chapter 4, uh, the revelator gives us an expression that I believe all of us should lay hold of right now. So I'm, I'm going to give you a, a right now scripture, a right now word. Uh, this is what the revelator says. Uh, he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but test every spirit, whether it be of God. He says, for many false prophets are gone out into the world. How many know that passage? I mean, we're supposed to test the spirits because not every spirit is of God. He says, hereby know ye, watch this, the spirit of God. So, so how do we identify what is the spirit of God? Somebody say the spirit of God, right? Well, what is, how, hereby know ye the spirit of God. This is what he says. For every spirit that confesseth, that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Did you hear that? That the Spirit of God is literally embodied by the thought that Jesus Christ, God, has come in the flesh. Let me say that one more time. That's, uh, that to me, we know a lot about the Holy Spirit. We may not know that, right? That's something we need to lay hold of. We need to sink our teeth into that. That, that, that the revelator says that the Spirit of God is typified, is embodied by the idea that, uh, that, that Jesus, God, was made like us. Wow. He says in every spirit... Uh, that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is not of God. He says, and this is that spirit, watch this, of Antichrist. Hereof you have heard that should come. And he says, and even now already is it in the world, the spirit of Antichrist, that denies that God came in the flesh. Think about that for a minute. 
Isn't this the teaching of Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi when he said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And the Bible says, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name. Right? Well, what's that name? It's the name of Jesus, the Son of Man. That Jesus came. Just like you came. (laughs) You want to go a little deeper with that? Let me quote a passage out of Hebrews 12. In fact, go there with me. Hebrews Hebrews 2, pardon me. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. This verse, this verse, you can actually marry it with the fourth chapter of Hebrews. But let me let me give you this verse. This this will this will this will cause you to just uh, throw your hands up and celebrate Jesus. Watch. This is what it says. It says, Wherefore in all things it behooved Jesus, to behoove Old Testament language, to the responsibility. It was responsible of Jesus, right? It behooved him to be made likened unto his brethren. Did you see that? It behooved him. It was his responsibility to come just like you. That he might be made a merciful and faithful high priest, right? The Bible says to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Now watch this. And and this is the verse I want to draw you into. Are you there? In in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, this is what it says. For in that he hath himself, listen to this, watch this, catch this church family, hear this, suffered temptation. Look at your name and say, Jesus suffered temptation. He wasn't just tempted, brother and sister. He suffered through the temptation. For the Bible says, for in that, right, for in that, he himself hath suffered temptation. That's the 18 18 verse of of, uh, Hebrews chapter 2. How many know that the Bible says, the the, the scriptures tell us that, that because of that, right, uh, the, the expression of Jesus, are, are you, you, you have your Bible there. Uh, go to the fourth chapter, uh, fourth chapter of Hebrews, and I, and I, I want to read this to you because uh, this to me uh, is an expression that somebody today, when they hear it, ought to just run down the street, down Broad Street, just heralding just how good God is. But for the Bible says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all point tempted as we are yet without sin. And what does the Bible says? Let us therefore now come boldly to the throne of grace. <laughs> that we might to obtain mercy. Come on. I, I, I want you to hear that there was something about Jesus coming in the flesh that liberated your life. The Son of Man coming and suffering with you has liberated you. For we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was at all point tempted as we are yet without sin. The Bible says, let us therefore now come boldly to the throne of grace. That we may, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The Son of Man, he suffered temptation. Think about, think about what I just said. Do you realize that the reason why you've been tempted, the reason why you have fallen into temptation is because you got your love in the wrong places? Do you realize the temptations that Jesus had, he had to suffer through his temptation? Uh, most of us don't even understand that because most of the time when we've fallen into temptation, it's something that we wanted to do. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you right now. I know all about, you know, right? Uh, we fall into temptation because this is something that we're inclined to do. Uh, nobody's ever tempted to make better grades. <laughs> People aren't uh, tempted to do the right thing. We're tempted to do the wrong thing. We're not tempted into righteousness. We're tempted into unrighteousness. And, and I want you to hear that Jesus was always suffering temptation. He's suffering temptation. 
And, and, and I'll make some distinctions here. You, you have your Bibles, all right? Uh, go with me to Matthew chapter 4. I want to show you something. Matthew chapter 4. And I want to show you how Jesus is suffering temptation. Uh, while you're going to St. Matthew 4, the Spirit of the Lord is talking to him. I want to quote some verses. I like quoting the Bible. Uh, uh, James uh, tells us what temptation. This is what James says. Let no man say when he is tempted, he is tempted of God. Now watch this. For God cannot be tempted with evil. For God cannot be tempted with evil, but Jesus can. <laughs> let, let, let me say it again. Let no man say when he is tempted, he is tempted of God. For first of all, God cannot be tempted with evil, but Jesus can. Nor doth God tempteth he any man. Catch up. Then he says this. For when he is tempted, he is tempted what? He is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Did you catch that? So your temptation is always along the line of the thing that you profess you love. Now, now you may say, I'm never going to do that again, but your flesh has a capacity to love the things it shouldn't love. Things that we shouldn't be involved in, your flesh has that capacity, right? And so we always fall in the place where we've aligned our love, our passions, right? Because lust is a passion, right? And many of us have passions that are not aligned with God. Right. Just, want, just want you to hear that, right? Just want you to catch that. And I'm going to show you how Jesus suffered. So just, just stay with me. Because I'm going to say to you that when you have fallen into temptation, you didn't suffer your temptation. You cooperated with your temptation. Because the Bible says, for a, man, for, for a man is tempted, he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when temptation, right, when that temptation has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, what does it do? It brings forth death. Right? I want you to catch that. So you're there in St. Matthew chapter 4. Uh, this, is the, this is the temptation of Jesus. Uh, do, do you know that just as we had a temptation in the Garden of Eden, Jesus is now representing you. In the wilderness. Somebody say hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus is going to bat for me. He's in the wilderness. The Bible says that right after, you're there in your Bible, the last verse of, of St. Matthew chapter 13, uh, the last thing you hear, God is speaking, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And, and then when you get to the top of, uh, 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 of the fourth chapter of St. Matthew, it tells us that Jesus was led of the wilderness to be tempted of the very devil himself. Could I suggest to you that you probably couldn't endure the temptation of Lucifer himself? Right. Brother and sister, I'm here to tell you if the devil ever showed up, uh, you, 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 you need to find a quick, quick way out. He is more subtle than any beast of the field. He is crafty. He is wise in his own evil. And he comes to Jesus. The Bible says Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and the Bible says he's a hundred. Notice, notice the first temptation of Jesus was, was this. And I want you to, it's the temptation. Now, catch it. This is what the devil tells him. Are you there reading with me right here? He's, he's about to be tempted. He's, this is my, probably verse 3 or 4 in that passage. The, 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 watch what happens. The, Lucifer says to the devil, now catch this, if thou be the son of God. You see, that's the temptation. Do, do, do you understand? Do you understand that? that uh, let, 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 me, let, me, let, me, let, let me help give context to that. In the seventh chapter of St. Matthew, eighth chapter of St. Matthew, this is right after the, the Sermon on the Mount. If I got, if I got my Bibles in, in, in chronology right, the Bible says that Jesus went on the other side of the Sea of Tiberias to a place called Gethsemane. When he got there, there was, a, there was a possessed man amongst the tombs that the people could not control. They tried to put him in irons and in fetters, and he would break them. And the Bible says that when Jesus got over to, the, to, to, to Gethsemane, that that demon-possessed man ran to the feet of Jesus, and he worshipped him, saying, O Son of God! The first identification of Jesus, of his identity, wasn't made by man. It was made by the devil. Yes, sir. 
the son of God. Let me tell you what the devil couldn't see. That Jesus is not only the son of God. He's also the son of man. You see, if the devil had known that Jesus was the son of man, he wouldn't have crucified him. I just want you to see that Jesus himself makes that decision. Do you, do you remember when Jesus was in the, was in the garden uh, right before he was crucified? And, and how many know he went through the travail of having uh, all of the world's sin, the collective sin of the world placed upon him? That the Bible says he was made to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You know, all of that was on him, right? That, 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 that somebody has one time, you, you know, all of the temptation, every vile thing, every evil thing, everything that was wrong with man was placed on Jesus. And watch this. The Bible says that Judas came and he betrayed Jesus with the kiss. You know what Jesus says? He says, Judas, watch what he says. Thou betrayest, watch, the son of man with the kiss. What is Jesus speaking to? He's speaking to his own humanity. Every time Jesus is tempted, he's tempted not as God, but as the Son of Man. I'll prove it to you. How many know that if Jesus wanted to, the first temptation, he says, if thou be the Son of God, ah, turn these stones into bread. How many know Jesus could have done that quite easily? Just go to St. John 6. You remember where he tempted, where Jesus was was testing, not tempting, but testing Philip. He says, hey, where can we buy bread to feed everybody? What did, what did Philip say? Lord, if we had 200 penny worth of bread, we couldn't even feed these. Let's say he used to get just a, just a morsel of bread in their mouth. And what he said, well, what do we have? Well, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Some mama sent their baby boy with the sack lunch. He said, bring it. You don't, don't think Jesus could have turned those stones? He's hungry. But what is he also? He's the son of man. Did you hear what I just said? He's not just the son of God. He's the son of man. Brothers, you hear that when I tell you that, that he is not just God's son, which that in and of itself is incredible. Can you imagine that God sent his son for you? His son. Listen, I'm here to tell you I've got a son, and I wouldn't send him for any one of you. But God, in his great love for you, sent his son for God. So loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Listen, brothers and sisters, he's not just the son of God. He's the son of man. And because he was the son of man, he limited himself. He refined himself. He, he declined himself. He, 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 you know, when you hear Jesus, for the Son of Man, for the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is Jesus condescending so much so. Here he is hungry. He most certainly could have made those stones to bread, except he's also the Son of Man. So what does he do? He quotes the word. For man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. What he's showing you, how many know Psalms 1? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the godly, nor standeth in the way of sin, nor sitteth in the seat of the scorpion, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law does he meditate day and night. You know what Jesus was proving to you? That he only had one devotion. He had one singular eye, and that singular eye was to love God and to do his good will. Brothers and sisters, you got to lay hold of that baby. Here's, here's Jesus. He's standing in the wilderness for you, and he's showing you how to overcome the enemy by the word of the Lord and being singular in his vision towards God. He loved God and to do God's will, and he stands in the garden for you. What does the enemy do? He says, oh, you're not hungry enough? Well, check this out. The Bible says, watch this. He took Jesus to the pinnacle. In fact, he sat him upon the pinnacle, upon the temple. How many know that the devil's at church too? Look at your neighbor and say, the devil's in church this morning. He, he's here. He ain't afraid of that, you know. He shows up to church. And the enemy... Quote Psalms 91. I, I know Psalms 91 by memory. You know why I know it by memory? Because I say it all the time in prayer. 
He quotes Psalm 91, 11. He said, he shall give his angels charge over thee. Lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. He says, cast yourself off this and let's see what happens. But he's also the son of man. You don't think when Jesus said he could call 12 legion of angels. You don't think he could fly. But he's also the son of man. He's limiting himself for your behalf. To show you that he can still win the day. That he still has victory. That he can still show you you can do it. That, 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 that he's given you all authority, all power to overcome the enemy. When the devil himself shows up. And, and what he said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. <laughs> you see, if thou be the son of God. You see, he's more than that. He's the son of man. He's the son of man. Look at your neighbor and say, he's the son of man. man. He's just like you. For all of you that keep going around saying nobody's perfect. When God himself tells you, be ye therefore perfect. Here's Jesus showing you that perfection is really attainable if we get our eyes singular upon God. The son of man confronting the enemy himself in the wilderness on my behalf. And do you know today that God has transferred his victory from that wilderness and he's placed it upon my life. That my life is hid in Christ. That I'm victorious because he was victorious. Y'all got that? He's the son of man. He's like you. He's like me. He is man. Do, 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 do you know the, the etymology? Even, even in the English language, we like to say human being. Jesus was a human being. Do, do, do you know in our vernacular where English has derived the word human being? They get it from the Hebrew language. You know what the, the Hebrew language says? Benai Adam. Sons of Adam. Do, do you know that you used to be a son of Adam? But now you're the son of Abraham. You know how you became the son of Abraham? Because Jesus was the son of man. Let me get back to Nicodemus. I can tell y'all not with me yet. This, this is the, the peanut butter is the son of God. The jelly is the son of man. Listen, do you want, listen, how many, how many ever gone to your cabinet and you want to eat something, but, but what you want isn't there? Anybody ever have a, you get like a, you crave something and you go and you think somebody, first lady's good about throwing stuff away and so I'll put something in the back refrigerator and, and, and I'm thinking when I get home, I'm going to hit that over there. First lady, man, she throws everything away. Am I right, Sister Allen? She would throw your stuff away, man. I said, but baby, she goes, no, it's, it's past expiration. It don't matter to me if it's past expiration. It, it, it's still good a few days afterward. You don't got to be that zealous about the date, baby. You know, I wanted them Ritz crackers. How many like rich crackers? I like rich crackers. I like, I like them townhouse crackers. I don't, I don't want saltine. I want something rich. I want something buttery, right? And I go, you look, we say, oh, it's not there, you know? It's like when I have a peanut butter and jelly things, I want peanut butter. I want, I want Peter Pan peanut butter. I don't want no off-brand, right? And I, and, and I want Concord grape jelly. The, 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 I want the, the, the Welch's grape jelly. How many like brands? I like brands. Don't be bringing me no Safeway brand, some Kroger brand, some Walmart brand. I want the real deal. Listen, Jesus gives to you the real peanut butter and jelly of the kingdom, baby. And once you bite into that, you'll never want anything else. You say, this is the cream of the kingdom of God, the son of man. I would say to you to this, that when we take communion, when we drink the blood, we are drinking the son of God. When we take the bread, we are eating the son of man. You can't have one without the other. He is the Son of God and the Son of Man. He belongs to God and He belongs to me. Come on, somebody. He's God's Son and He's my brother. Come on, somebody. Man, this is rich. This is so beautiful. Now, now let me get to Nicodemus. We were talking about Nicodemus. And the reason why the Spirit brought me to that passage is because I believe there's a lot of people here who don't comprehend the nuance of the Spirit. 
How many here know that the Bible says that this is this is 1 Corinthians 15? I like reading that passage when I do funeral services. I know that death doesn't win. The grave doesn't win. Do you know that the same body that you see here is going to be the same body you see there? Y'all didn't hear what I just said. Listen, listen, if I die and you put me in the grave, don't be saying that's the last time I'm going to see pastor. You'll see me again just like this, except the next time you see me, I'm going to be robed in white. It'll be in this very body, right, in this body. I want you to hear what Paul taught the church at Corinth. He said, and so it is written, watch this, the first Adam is a living soul, was made, listen, a living soul. The second Adam, watch this, was made a quickening spirit. How many know that even the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy? Because what he did in his body is as sure as anything else. You need to be healed today. It's a sure thing in Christ. Because his body made sure of it. Watch. Teach you Nicodemus. Nicodemus is having to comprehend that which is spiritual. And there's a lot of people in here, including myself, that are still studying that. How many will admit that you still got stuff to learn? Raise your hand if you still got stuff to learn. If, if you don't, if somebody's hand didn't go up, I'm going to get down and you come up and teach somebody. <laughs> Coming from a guy who spends, you know, probably 30, 40 hours a week in the Word. It's my full-time job. That I meditate, I read the word, I study it, I memorize it, I put it in my spirit because I know it's by the word that I have life. I want you to hear this. Watch, check this out. Nicodemus is being presented with spiritual conversation that he himself cannot comprehend. Primarily because he hasn't seen it. How many know that people will say, I won't believe it? There you go, right there. I won't believe it till I see it. Till I see it for myself. I need to see it. So here's Nicodemus. Jesus is talking about spiritual things, very deep, profound things. Because how many know that before you were born again, you didn't see God? Uh, You went about your life doing everything you went about your life. You ate, you went everywhere, you drove, you did this, you had family. You didn't relate any of that to the blessing of God in your life, even though God was blessing you because God causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. Am I helping somebody? God was taking care of you. He was helping you. He was delivering you. He was watching over you, and you didn't even know his name. Come on, somebody. Then when you got saved, you looked back over your life and said, I should have died right there. I could have been apprehended there. I could have been down to the grave here, but God delivered me. See, it wasn't until you saw Jesus that you could really see what was going on in life. Though I got a witness out there. That once you got saved, once, once the Spirit, the Bible says, and you who were dead in your trespasses and sins, has he quickened and made alive? In other words, you've been resurrected. <laughs> I've been resurrected spiritually. I used to be dead to God, but now I'm alive. Everything I see is God. If you get around me, everything's God. <laughs> That's why people don't invite you over no more, because all you talk about is God. You say, I wonder why people don't invite me to the park. Because all you're talking about is Jesus. That's why the preacher man don't get to go everywhere. They don't want to talk with me because they know I'm going to start talking about Jesus. Because everything is about Jesus. Here's Nicodemus. Jesus is trying to show him spiritual things he can't comprehend. He can't see it. And you can see the love of God in that conversation. You can see Jesus teaching him spiritual things, dynamics of the kingdom of heaven related to the spirit of God that he just can't get. And then he says, okay, uh, let's do it like this. No man has seen God at any time except me, the son of man. He didn't say the Son of God. He said, no man has seen God at any time. Nobody's ever ascended up into heaven. No man has ever been in his presence except me. That's awesome. 
that awesome? That even right now at the right hand of God is the Son of Man. That's why the Bible says he is able to secure you that are tempted because he knows exactly what you're feeling. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly the temptation. He knows what it feels. Do you know somebody, you can ask philosophically, was Jesus tempted to homosexuality? Was Jesus tempted to steal? You know, sometimes we don't put our mind to just think, how many remember that when the woman with the alabaster box came, this is St. Luke chapter 7, the Bible says she came with an alabaster box and she broke it and everybody there in the Pharisee's house pointed and said, if he truly was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman that is. I mean, they all saw her sexuality except Jesus. Y'all hear what I just said? He didn't even have a bias towards her. Y'all didn't hear what I'm saying? You see, he's suffering temptation. This is how great. Jesus is showing you that he had one allegiance, and that was to God. A a woman, a prostitute, a woman comes, and and I'm sure the other men that were standing by said, look what kind of woman this is. Look away. Look away, Dixieland, right? Except Jesus You remember Jesus on the cross when they were uh, uh, yelling and and insulting him on the cross, saying, if you truly are the son of God, come down. And, 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 you know, Jesus was suffering the temptation. He easily could have said, "Okay, God, let's wipe him out. You were right. They're unsalvageable. But what does Jesus say? Father, forgive. For they know not what they do. He's suffering temptation. He's suffering temptation. And on the cross, I guarantee you, every thought that was vile in men was vile in him too. I'm going to prove it to you. Every thought that was vile in men was in Jesus on that cross. Was Jesus tempted to homosexuality? Sure he was. Was he tempted to debauchery? sexuality, immorality, sure he was. Because there's no sin in being tempted. Remember, the sin is in the meditation. But it was all placed on him. Prove it to you. So Jesus says, okay, all right, Nicodemus, let me go at this another way. Uh, Maybe what you need is to be able to see it. So you remember Moses? I mean, you're a Pharisee. You're well studying the law. Some of you don't know that a Pharisee, we, we, we like to make fun of you, a Pharisee, you know, what kind of, no, listen, the Pharisee memorized the first five books of the Bible, memorized it, could recite the first five books. Some of you can't do a chapter. Some of you mess up John 3, 16. The Pharisee could quote five books. He was devout in every sense. He went to church every time the church was open. The temple was open. He was there daily. He would study the scrolls. He gave himself over to God. He tithed on every single thing. A devout man. He just couldn't see. Jesus said, you're like a whitewashed sepulcher. You're clean on the outside, but you're dirty on the inside. It's all right, Nicodemus, I'm going to help you. You remember the story of Moses in the wilderness? It's it's a passage in Numbers 21. There's six verses. It goes like this. So the people got tired of walking. Touch your neighbor, say, come on, somebody. They were walking in the wilderness, got tired of it. The Bible says they loathe, listen to me, they loathe the bread of God, which was a symbol of the person Christ. They loathed it. And they hated walking. And they started to blaspheme the name of God. Yeah. You know what else they did? They blasphemed Moses' name too. They wanted to know, why would you bring us out into this wilderness to die? God got mad. 
How many know it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God? You know, the Bible says when God gets wroth, which means gets white, the blast of his nostril snaps the cedars of Lebanon. You know, when you go, when God goes, trees snap in two. God was mad. Got angry. He said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to fill your camp full of snakes. I'm going to send vipers your way. Sure enough, vipers began to bite the people of Israel. And they came to their senses. I mean, a snake bite would do that to you. People were dying in Israel. People were, people were dying. Theologians say hundreds of thousands of people were dying from snake bites. And so they came to Moses, Moses, as Moses always did. He said, go to God and pray for us. We've blasphemed his name and we've blasphemed yours. And so the Bible says, and Moses prayed to God and God said, okay. I want you to make a fiery snake. And I want you to put him on a pole. And I want you to lift him up. And when the people look at that fiery snake, I'm going to eradicate the venom in them. Not going to take the serpents out. I'm just going to make sure his bite doesn't kill him. Let me say that one more time. I'm not going to take the serpent away. I'm just going to make sure when the serpent bites, it won't kill them. I'm just going to make sure when the serpent bites them, when they're bitten and the venom is in their blood, it's not going to take their life. Oh, y'all got to hear that. Let me say that one more time. You know, because, you know, I, I, I'm reminded of, how many remember those old movies where, where somebody, you know, old cowboy movies, somebody get bit by a snake and then they'd get a knife, and they cut like a little, and they start. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, that don't work. That's a lie. <laughs> that, 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 that don't work. That, whoever started that, that's, that's foolishness. That, you ain't going to suck no venom out of nobody's blood. If you get bit by a venomous snake, you better have the anti-venom or you die. God said, if they look at the fiery serpent, they won't die. And so the Bible says Moses went and made a, a, a fiery serpent made of brass. And when he lifted up the pole, the people looked at it. And the venom was eradicated. The Bible says when they looked upon it, they lived. So when they got bit, they looked at it. It wasn't by coincidence yesterday, Daniel and Maddie came to our house to have some breakfast. You know, nothing like mama's breakfast. How many know nobody, no breakfast like your mama's breakfast? Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. All the guys, the hands going to go up. The ladies are looking at you like, well, you better be careful with mama's breakfast. Mama's breakfast, good breakfast, right? And while we were there talking, I, I, I told Daniel, he said, Daniel, you know, Mel Gibson is making uh, The Passion of the Christ Part 2. Uh, this, this, they're going to show you uh, the post-resurrection appearance of Christ. They're going to show you the works of Christ. And they're even going to show you his ascension. Uh, and I said, I can't wait for the movie. I want to see it. And, and then Maddie says, well, you know what? I've never seen Passion of the Christ, the first one. And I said, well, you only need to see it one time. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. That's not a movie that you say, hey, everybody, come on over. We're going to have some popcorn. And then he gets the Cokes out. We're going to watch The Passion. If you've seen it once, that's enough. You, you, you know why when we watch it, it's enough? Because we see for ourselves his suffering, and we can relate to that suffering because we know that Jesus suffered in his body. That Jesus Christ came and suffered in his body for you. And we know that the whippings and the beatings and the crucifixion was something that we should have had for ourselves. But he took our place. And once you see it, 
Once you look at it, Jesus says, when the Son of Man is lifted up, anyone who looks upon me will be saved. You know, the looking, you know, the believing, to look. Friend, let me tell you something. If you look at Jesus and you look at the cross and you're not saved, you deserve hell. I used to have mixed emotions about that. Well, how could a loving God send people to hell? Jesus says, don't fear men who can kill your body, but fear the one who has the power to cast your soul in hell. Why would that exist? Why would that justice be there? Look at it. Tell me you don't want him. Look, Look at it for yourself, friend. Look at that and tell me you don't want that. Look at, his, look at the cross and tell me that you don't want to fall at your feet and lift up your hands and say, my Lord and my God. Look at it for yourself. Just look at it. And that's what Jesus was teaching Nicodemus. Nicodemus, once you see it, all this other stuff is going to make sense. Once the Son of Man is lifted up, this will all make sense. Now, we don't follow the Bible as well as we should. But, you know, when Jesus... Listen to the suffering. Jesus on the cross. He says, Eli, Eli, Yamasabakani. That is to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, that's a great time to suffer persecution, to suffer and say, well, where are you, God? You know, a lot of us, we've, we've, we've been tempted that way too when we suffer, but we just didn't do real good with it. Because some of you had your little pity party. Well, how come me? Lord, how come you always picking on me? How come you don't pick on him over there? Yeah. Why are you always doing this to me? I don't understand God. And how come it always has to be me? Yeah. You know, Jesus could have said, well, where are you? You don't see me dying here? The Bible says in Jesus, with a loud voice said, it is finished. And he yielded up his ghost. Interesting, interesting that, you know, Jesus is on the cross. You remember this guy, Joseph of Arimathea, went to Pontius Pilate and said, I want his body, I want to bear him. He got permission. And it just so happened when Joseph was coming back, guess who was waiting for him? Nicodemus. You see, he wanted that body. It was Nicodemus who came and prepared the body with all the burial spices, the frankincense, the aloes, the myrrhs. You see, Nicodemus, by Jewish tradition, was one of the most faithful disciples of Jesus. You know why? Because he saw him. He saw the Son of Man. And because he saw it, from that moment forward, he could see the kingdom. Brothers and sisters, you got your Bibles? Romans. I want to read something to you. Romans 5. And we'll end on this because, okay, it's straight up 12 if you take medication. So you can come to church and hit your prescription right too. Somebody say hallelujah. That's right on. You say, I went to church and while the preacher was preaching, he reminded me to take my medicine. You ready? Some of, some, of y'all, some of y'all need to see the Son of Man. I, I'm just going to point it to you. Just let your finger kind of slide down with me to verse 6. It starts off, for when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. You see that? Verse 7, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die yet peradventure, for a good man will one even dare to die. But God commended his love for us and that when we were still yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. You, are, you see, remember that? Right? Y'all see that? That's, that's the son of man, right? Now, now watch over here. Go with me to verse 12. I want to read this to you so you can hear this. See how marvelous the son of man truly is. Watch what this says. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. Somebody say, hello, Adam. I heard somebody tell me the day, man, when I get to heaven, I'm going to go talk to Adam. 
I'm gonna look at him in his face and say, man, you did us bad, boy. <laughs> you did us wrong. All of this because of you, Adam. I said, be careful with that. Because, see, if Adam didn't do it, I would have done it. And in fact, could I say I did do it? Sir. So all you ladies going to say, I want to go talk to Eve and talk to her about what she did. <laughs> you better be careful with yourself. Listen, verse 12, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, because when, death is, when, when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. And so death passed upon all men. For that all have sinned. Well, you look at chamber and say, you've sinned too. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. So the law brought sin to manifest it in such a way that it could be seen. The Bible says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgressions, who is a figure of him that was to come. So Adam is a figure of him the man, son of man, the son of Adam to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as by one man that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Wow. How marvelous that is. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. How many know that Jesus delivered you from the wrath to come? The Son of God delivered you from God's wrath. Let me just keep reading. I'll end to the end of the chapter. Therefore, as by one offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offenses might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so grace reigned through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm going to have you to stand, and I'm going to set something in motion in church today. And I just want you to just close your eyes for a minute. I, I'm not going to keep you long. Maybe, maybe, this is not going to be long, trust me. So, so pay, pay real careful attention. You know, you know there, there are serpents in the midst. Biting the people of God. Uh, the, the venom is poisonous. It's deadly. That poison is, is killing us. So, some, sometimes that poison comes in your own conversation. So, sometimes you can poison yourself. You know, the Bible says the life and death is on the tip of our tongue. And, and, and some of the things you're telling yourself, while, while it's a venom, it's a poison. Then we've got people around us that, that, that have a way of just speaking evil to us. It sounds like common sense. It sounds like rationality. It sounds like wisdom. But in the end, it's just another snake putting its teeth into you and filling your life full of poison. Sometimes it's the temptation itself. And I don't know about you, but, but I'm, I'm constantly purposing to, to work on the iniquity of my life. In other words, I don't concentrate on temptation. I concentrate on my passion, my lust, 
right? Because if I have an inclination, the enemy can take advantage of my inclination. Uh, Jesus didn't have that inclination. He, he had a singular eye towards God. Uh, the, the, the scriptures teach Jesus that if your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. And brothers and sisters, I'm aiming to keep my eye single. And trust me, there's a lot of uh, hindrance towards that singularity. Singularity.